The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Today is Monday, December 11th, 12-11-23. We reached one of those fun things where things add up together. You don't get to do a whole heck of a lot of those anymore as we get deeper into the year. I am joined by Ryan Boyer. Today we are going to talk about some pitchers who struggled in 2023, whether we think they can bounce back in 2024, but really taking a look at those guys that were drafted fairly high and didn't come close to giving you the same type of value. But speaking of value, Ryan, we've got something to talk about. Shohei Otani, for those who missed it over the weekend, I can't imagine how you missed it, but hey, we'll pretend that this is your first baseball news somehow in the last 72 hours, agrees to a 10-year, $700 million contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers, which would be interesting enough until our good friend Fabian Ardea drops this in our lab literally about an hour before we start recording. $680 million of that $700 million is going to be deferred, meaning that Shohei Otani will be paid $2 million a year over the next 10 seasons. And I think the Dodgers avoided the funny number on purpose. They're going with $68 million over those next 10 years. Uh, 0% interest on that. So good for uh, for the Dodgers. They're not paying any... uh, Klarna or Affirm Loans, good for them on the uh, thing. Neither one of those sponsored the show, so we won't talk anymore about them. This is unprecedented, and it's not surprising that Shohei Otani is getting an unprecedented contract. He is an unprecedented baseball player. But this creates a lot of interesting things for the Dodgers. It creates a lot of interesting things for Shohei Otani. When I saw that figure, and I look, I saw the blue check mark next to Passan, and I was like, nope, wait. You can still pay for Twitter and change your name to something weird. And when I saw those 1 million followers next to Passan's name and saw this was real, I was just flabbergasted. Yeah, I did a double and triple and quadruple take, and it still doesn't seem quite real. Right. Um, I mean, we saw when, when the news broke of the, of the $700 million contract that there were going to be unprecedented, deferrals and i think it was passing who reported that it was supposed to be in the neighborhood like the value of the contract with the deferrals would wind up being in the 40 to 50 million dollar range um but i don't 
think anybody expected this level no. of deferral. Like it's just absolutely bananas. I can't two million dollars. And I know he's Shohei makes. Um, I, I think he probably makes more in endorsements and such than forty million dollars last year in endorsements. For those who were curious, yeah, more so. Scherzer's AAV is a little higher than that. Is that it? That's about it. Yeah. And that's about uh, it. So he's going to be just fine. Um, <laughs> it still seems like quite a risk on his yeah. part. Yeah. Um, our good buddy Rotopat pointed out that like 10 years from now, who knows what the TV landscape is going to look like? Nope. Nobody has any idea. Like it's a massive risk that he's taking, but I mean, remember this is the same guy who he came over. What was it? One year, just one year early, and sacrificed a whole bunch of potential sure. money because totally he forgot wanted, about that. Wanted to go ahead and come over to the to the states, and that that meant that he wasn't like an unrestricted free agent or whatever they want to call it, right? And he wound up settling for way, way less than he would have gotten on the open market if he would have just waited one more year. So clearly Shohei wants to, and this we should point out, by the way, this was multiple people have said this was his idea and yeah. that all of the teams he was negotiating with, we, he brought this up to all of them. So this wasn't, the Dodgers way of trying to get around things. It was not the Dodgers idea. And I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. The conversation in between, between Otani and his agent Goodness. when Otani brought this idea up, <laughs> what was his agent's reaction? I mean, oh. the agent, the agent can still, say he negotiated the biggest sports contract in the history of sports just said sports twice, but yeah, that's okay. So he can still say that. Um, so he has that feather in his cap, but sure. does that mean, so does he get the, the 4% or whatever it is? Is that, does he get <laughs> that per 2 million? Like, like Shohei is getting, um, that's, that's uh, it's a big risk that he's having to absorb as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Interest-free payments from 2034 to 2043, right? Yep. Just that I, I, I'm still really having trouble wrapping my head around it. And of course my first reaction other than just to just trying to understand what just happened. Yeah. Then immediately went to wow, the Dodgers still have a whole bunch of money they can spend. Absolutely. Um, Yamamoto. I almost, I just about called him Jordan Yamamoto. The other, yeah, uh, a little different. Yeah, a little bit of a different and uh, <laughs> level. My apologies, Jordan. But yeah, fair. Uh, yeah, I mean they're going to be. It seemed like the Mets and the Yankees have been the perceived favorite perceived favorites for Yamamoto. I got to think if, I don't know what the betting odds are now, but the Dodgers have probably just moved to the top of that list. Yeah. Um, 
Like it's, you could make an argument that Yamamoto, I think I actually, I think I tweeted about it. I actually thought that Yamamoto might, if you had to pick one of the two to spend that money on, might make more sense than Otani did just because their pitching is iffy. But hey, yeah. as the that one girl, little girl, gif, gif, gif jif says, why not yeah. both? Yeah, why not both? It's And here's the thing. Uh, so for those curious, the CBT, which is the collect competitive balance tax, I always want to call it the collective bargaining tax, but it actually is accurate for both. But what this deal suggests is that it won't be $2 million that goes towards that. Uh, Bob Nightingale, who, look, Bob Nightingale gets a lot of stuff. He's been all over this and has nailed pretty much all of the Otani details. Uh, it will count towards $28 million towards the next year because the MLB is treating this like a $440 million contract according to CBT. Where 28 comes out of 440, I don't know. I don't really care. But that's still close to one-third of what the $70 million would be, which is a huge difference for that team. It's, yeah. it's going to create them being able to play, if they want to, for any available free agent, anyone on the trade block, that 70 million, unfortunately, because of the CBT, they probably would have been out on a lot of guys. Like the not because the Dodgers don't have the money. The Dodgers are going to have plenty of money. That 68 million dollars is such a drop in the bucket for them, even yeah. in 2434. And keep in mind, <laughs> 68 million dollars 10 years ago is like 90 million dollars today. I was doing some real quick math on the inflation and stuff like that and won't bore you for too long but this keep i mean they're in for yamamoto they are in for <laughs> if they wanted a cody bellinger reunion they could have done something like that that's obviously not going to happen but it would sure be a whole heck of a lot of fun if it did and i think people are really worried about precedent here like what precedent is being set by signing shohei otani folks shohei otani doesn't set precedents he is the ultimate unprecedented thing it's do I think you'll see more teams offer contracts like this? And there are also rules in the CBT that say offers like this are just fine. There are no rules against how much money can be deferred. There is rules about how much they value the contract per the CBT and they add some interest onto it and yada, yada, yada. But there's nothing that says they can't do this. Will I bet in the next CBT that they're talking about, hey, Maybe we need to make a limit on how much money can actually be deferred in order for, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates of the world to say, hey, we could never do something like this. Yeah, sure. I, I would imagine that something like this is going to happen. But there's no precedent set here. There's no precedent whatsoever because Shohei Otani is always going to be as the best baseball player that you and I have ever seen. It's not even close. Shohei Otani is the best baseball player that anyone has ever seen in terms of being able to do what he does on the mound to end with the bat. But speaking of that, let's talk about from just the baseball perspective. I know the contract is so crazy, but like Shohei Otani going to be ready for the start of the season as a designated hitter. That top three might be the best top three that I have seen in my time. And I have covered some awfully good baseball teams, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a, it's a very left-handed heavy lineup. It's a very sure. I want to I was going to say top heavy lineup, but I mean they they still have some some dudes at the bottom yeah, too. But 
I mean, it's yeah. They just need a. Uh, they need a, few, a couple arms, as we yeah. mentioned. Uh, Otani's not going to be not going to be ready to pitch in 2024. Obviously, um, they have yet. I believe him and his agent have yet to confirm exactly the kind of surgery he actually had. It's been right. reported that, given the language that the doctor used, that it was probably a primary brace procedure or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. not a full on Tommy John. So that factors a little bit into the, to the recovery time and how rigorous the rehab is, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it's, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty lethal one, two, three at the top of that lineup for sure. Where are you drafting Shohei Otani uh, to begin the year? Um, just as somebody now that, you know, Let's say he's going to hit third. I would like to know where Otani is going to hit in the lineup before making that draft decision, to be honest with you, because I think the benefit of him hitting third behind Betts and Freeman, getting the chance to drive both of those guys in, does add to the potential value there. Maybe the runs go up if he's hitting behind one of those guys. Mookie Betts is going to lead off. It's just a matter of do they go with Otani in the two spot or do they go with Freddie Freeman in that two spot? But where are you drafting him? Top 20? Top 15, top 25. So I don't know if you read it yet or not, but Eric Halterman um, wrote a really interesting piece on this on the RotoWire site. Nice. Uh, about, I believe the name of the, he titled the article, Why I, Why I Will Not Be Drafting Shohei Otani in 2024. Um, and his reasoning, he gave a few different very well thought out reasons Mm -hmm. and basically like him coming back from Tommy John the first time around, he wasn't nearly the same hitter. Um, I mean, you know, I can't imagine being a full-time hitter and also basically being a full-time rehabbing your surgically repaired elbow right doing that simultaneously like that's just got to be extremely difficult and exhausting and I, I just don't know how it's impossible to project how that is going to affect someone sure if there's anybody who can pull it off without any hiccups it's him but i i I'm going to push him down probably, I don't know, maybe more than I should just because of that uncertainty. Um, It would not surprise me. One other point that Eric made in his article, um, a slow start especially is probably a fairly good bet, but maybe the second half comes around and that's when you want to send out trade offers for him. Right. Um, so I, I, he would not be, I probably would not take him in the first round. Right. Um, maybe the one, two turn ish. I'm thinking more like in the 12 to 15 range. What, what do you think? I was thinking somewhere in like, I think you could justify taking him top of the second round 
to end of second round, and I wouldn't like bat an eye on where it was being drafted. Like I get that he did struggle after coming off of that Tommy John surgery, but he's so much better of a hitter than he was back then. Like you just, the eye test, he passes it so much more. He's more patient at the plate. Uh, He's gained significant power. There was always there. I mean, you've seen the 900 foot Homer or whatever he did in Japan. Uh, It's always been there, but he's so much better of an offensive player. And the fact that he's going to get the chance to drive in potentially Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, like, I know RBI, yada, yada, yada. It's an important stat in fantasy baseball, and he's going to get a chance to drive in a lot of guys. And even if he's hitting third, he's going to get a chance to get driven in by players like Will Smith and Max Muncy and certainly some other guys who are going to be quality fantasy players, maybe not elite fantasy players like the names we were talking about. But there's just so much opportunity for him, and I think he's going to run. I do think that Shohei Otani will be – the fact that he stole 20 bases last year I think gets underrated. Wouldn't shock me at all if, as a full-time player, he does get more chances to run. I think you can justify taking him in that in those first 13 to 24 picks, and it's just going to probably <laughs> depend on – The one thing is utility player. Like he's not going to have outfield eligibility. He is going to have to be the guy you put in that util spot, which, you know, hurts your flexibility a little bit. I'm willing to deal with it for a guy who I think is a, if healthy, and obviously that's a pretty big risk here. If he gets a chance to play full time, I think you can just pretty much lock up 40 homers and a hundred RBI, probably more RBI. How many guys can you do that with? Like, like how many guys would you just say, it is very likely that you're going to hit these marks, even if the average maybe isn't so great. Yeah, I mean, like the best case scenario is like basically what he did this year, except yeah. more plate appearances because he can. And that's a that's a first round fantasy talent without question. Sure. Maybe even top five fantasy talent. Um, I just think the the amount of risk. It, Lower floor than some other guys. There's no question about that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even talking about risk like, well, he just had elbow surgery. He could risk of re-tearing it or whatever. I, I just think he could – he's not going to be – there's a decent chance he could not be quite the Shohei Otani that we're used to. Um, like I said, I think that even if he does get off to a slow start, I think he'll probably eventually come around anyway. Right. Um, I think he's still, it sounds weird to say that I say that there's risk, but he's also kind of a safe pick. I just think he's a risk for maybe as high as he's going to go. For sure. And there's going to be, I think, some tax on it. Uh, Funny if we're talking about tax after uh, the Shohei Otani contract. But yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. I'm excited to see where he starts going in drafts. I know a lot of people are doing it now. I just can't do it in December, but I definitely am going to be curious to see just where he's going in drafts in a couple of weeks. Uh, That's enough Shohei Otani talk for now. We're going to be talking about some pitchers who didn't have so much success in 2023. But first, we're going to take a very quick commercial break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Ryan, let's take a look at some of those guys who were not so good in 2023. Um, I'm sorry that you have to do the struggle ones. Drew has been very selfish and got the guys who uh, who broke out. You get to do the guys who uh, basically were broke, unfortunately. And there were quite a few. There were quite a few pitchers this year who did not quite live up to that hype. I think that's true a lot of years, and it's one of the reasons why in my drafts, I almost always, I wouldn't say, I definitely don't tank it. I'm not an RB0 with pitching. But I usually attack it later because we often see guys who are drafted very high not live up to hype, and there are a ton of guys who get drafted in the later rounds who end up pitching well. But definitely some guys that I was expecting to do well that did not do well. And why don't you start with, uh, I don't know, um, why don't you start with Carlos Rodon? Yeah, tough to imagine Carlos Rodon's first first year in pinstripes going any worse than it did. Hate it. First came down with the forearm strain in spring training. That eventually turned into a back injury and received, uh, I think, a couple painkilling injections. That kind of turned things around as far as the back goes. But he didn't make a season debut until July 7th. Wound up finishing with a 6.85 ERA. And 
15 home runs allowed, over 64 and one-third innings pitched. Strikeout rate was down to 22.4%, which is like right around league average. It had been well over 30% the previous two years. Just didn't look quite like Carlos Rodon that we had grown accustomed to the last couple of years. The velocity was fine. Um, spin rates were fine. So I'd, I'm not sure what exactly to deduce, what to what to expect and what to project from him going forward. Right. Um, I mean – I kind of think that he could be a pretty decent buy low candidate. Same. Um, if healthy, we obviously know that the the uh, injury history as, is as checkered as they come. Um, but, you know, as long as that velocity is fine, which it pretty much was last year, and he's able to keep the ball in the park a little a little better – um, it's just the upside is still so huge with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, checking his NFC, NFBC ADP, it's at one seventy seven right now. I think that's a pretty decent price. Um, yeah. maybe depends on what else you have on your staff. Obviously, you don't want to load up with. Rodon and maybe some of the other guys we're going to be talking about on this list. Sure. <laughs> um, but if you have some safer options, I, I think Carlos Rodon is worth worth targeting at that point in your draft. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the the fact that velocity was still good is definitely something that you can kind of hang your hat on a little bit. And look, Rodon has never exactly been a command artist. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that layoff really hurt him. And Knowing also some people who have talked to Carlos, this is a guy who probably was working probably a little too hard to get back to try to justify that contract, to justify that, you know, um, he's still the same pitcher that he was. But it's worth pointing out, it has not been a a smooth journey for Carlos Rodon during his career. He was the best collegiate pitching prospect I've seen. I didn't really get a chance to see Steven Strasburg. It's definitely the best one that I've seen in per, uh, in person for sure, um, has kind of a iffy junior year and then some real ups and downs with the White Sox, uh, enough that we forget that the White Sox non-tendered this dude and then brought him back at a lower salary. And I'm rooting hard for him because I think he is one of the good guys in baseball and one of the fun guys in baseball. But there's no guarantee that we're going to see anything close to what we saw from him in 2021 and 2022. In fact, I bet against it. But he doesn't have to be that to be fantasy relevant, right? He doesn't have to be nearly as good as that to have some sort of value. It's just you can't have him pitching at the level he was in 2023, man. I mean, that was hard to watch. There are very few pitchers that like I kind of squeal at and get squirmish, almost like watching uh, Dinner Party, the Office episode, is how I kind of felt watching the Carlos Rodon starts, except there was no laughter to go with it. There was just the awkwardness, but I do think at that draft value, it is an interesting play. Alec Manoa, a guy who went pretty darn high in drafts, and there have been people, I don't want to say rooting for Alec Manoa to fail, 
But there have been people who have pointed to some signs that this may not go so well. In 2023, to say it didn't go well is the understatement of understatements. 19 starts, a 5.87 ERA in 87 and one-third innings. 59 walks in those 87 and one-third innings. And look, there was some luck for uh, Alec Manoa in the previous two seasons, according to a lot of the metrics. No luck to be found this year. Uh, expected ERA of 6.12. So he actually was a little bit lucky, a little bit lucky to reach that mark. But the 14.2% walk rate, and he just didn't get away with it. The previous two years, 8.7 and 6.5, that barely adds up to the walk rate that he had in 2023. Now, he gets sent down to the minors to rework on some stuff. And when he did come back, there were a couple decent little starts like that suggested that, hey, there might be a little bit of a bright future here, but not enough. Not enough for me to suggest that Alec Manoa is going to be someone that I'm really targeting in fantasy. You know, as a buy low, like extreme buy low, sure, I get that to a point. But I just cannot trust what I see, what I saw from him. And I think, look, this will be somewhat hypocritical for me because, you know, I wish I was in as good a shape as Alec Manoa. But Alec Manoa is a big dude. And big dudes have a tendency outside of Rich Garces, who I think pitched for 36 years in the major leagues. El Guapo was definitely hanging out for a while. It's a skill set that ages very poorly for pitchers. The There are exceptions like CC Sabathia, you know, if you have the best slider of any left-hander that I've seen since Randy Johnson. Sure, yeah, that'll work out pretty well for you. But for the most part, this is not a skill set that ages very well. I, I would love to say that I think Alec Manoa is a great buy low candidate but everything I saw from him in 2023 suggests that it's probably not a good idea yeah it's just a big question mark I mean it was such a precipitous fall that oh yeah I don't think anybody knows for sure what what happened with him and Mm -hmm. I mean in addition to the just awful performance you heard about you know friction with the Blue Jays organization. Right. Good point. He, Manoa thought he was injured. The the Blue Jays said he got checked out, had a clean bill of health. He wound up receiving injections in his shoulder either towards the end of the season or after the season. And the Blue Jays were quick to point out that they were Manoa's idea, not their idea. Oh, boy. Although they say that they he had their blessing – I don't know if their fingers were crossed behind their back when they said that or what, but yeah. just an odd situation with them. And, and he also didn't agree with being sent down to begin with, um, according to reports. So maybe a, a fresh start somewhere else is a is a good idea. We've we've mm-hmm. heard, you know, the Blue Jays are saying what they're supposed to say in public that they're looking forward to Alec Manoa showing up in spring training and winning a rotation spot. They're not looking to trade him, but I think they're probably entertaining offers. Sure. Um, it's just mad, it's a matter of whether someone is willing to give them what they think he's what, what they think he's worth. Um, it it kind of just depends on how far the price falls. I'm, I'm kind of with you though that I don't think it's probably going to fall quite far enough for me to take a take a roll of the dice. I think there are other guys that I'm going to be more willing to to take a chance on in that range. Well said. Um, Shane Beaver, another guy 
Not a great 2023 season. Basketball velocity, Chris. We're going to go these past four years for Shane Bieber has gone from 94.1 to 92.8. And these last two years, 91.3. So that's not bad. That's not a good direction. (laughs) No. Also, curveball and slider, both of those pitches had over a 40% whiff rate each of 2019 through 2022. Both of those pitches were just barely over 30% in 2023, so just not the bite on the pitches that we're used to seeing from him. Missed about 11 weeks with an elbow injury and came back to make a couple starts late in the year. So theoretically going into the winter healthy, but you miss that kind of time with an elbow injury, you never know. Is he going to be traded? Uh, We hear plenty of rumors about Shane Bieber being on the, potentially on the trade block. The value, what they're going to be able to get in the trade, I think would probably be the only thing to keep them from making that move and just decide it's not worth it because I do think his – stock has dropped that far considerably yeah you look at the nfbc adp it's actually a little ahead of carlos rodan at 171 okay um kind of a different like it's (laughs) i was going to ask you who of the two you've you would rather have out of rodan and and shane bieber like it's just such a different like Bieber. i kind of think of bieber at this point if he stays healthy, which that's assuming the elbow issues behind him, I think he'll probably be fine. Sure. It's just the, the strikeout rate, which just absolutely exploded a few years ago when he won the Cy Young, mm-hmm. just as I don't, I can't, we can't count on that coming back. Meanwhile, Rodon is a complete enigma, what we can expect, but his upside I think is significantly higher at this point. Yes. Again, maybe it depends on the, your roster construction, uh, what kind of risk that makes more sense for your team. But 171 is a little iffy, I think. Um, is he going to stay healthy? We don't know. Um, is he going to be on a new team? And if he is traded, how do we – obviously, it depends on where he winds up. It could potentially alter that value, but – I just think the the ceiling with Shane Bieber is just significantly lower than than what it has been for sure. No question about it. And I think you hit the nail on the head that this is really going to be some team dependent stuff too, because I just don't see Cleveland being a very good baseball team next year. Uh, I could see them too. Speaking of trade stuff, if they're not getting what they want, apparently you Bieber, apparently you must have missed that they signed Austin Hedges, Chris. I did miss that they said no. I did not hedge my bet and miss that Austin sign there. By the way, we I didn't get to talk enough about how relieved Austin Hedges looked in the World Series that he didn't have to bat. I mean, that was the ultimate. Oh, thank God, I don't have to do this again um, type of thing. Look forward to that for 350 plate appearances, Cleveland Guardian fans. But I could see Cleveland saying, all right, if you're not willing to move at least some B to B-plus level prospects being like, we'll see how this guy does. And at the deadline, those teams who really need pitching, we can probably get something better along those lines. Yeah. It also means a very cheap ownership group paying Shane Bieber for half a season. So we'll see which one actually wins out there. 
I, if he was to join a team like the Cardinals or the Reds, the Reds might be a little tricky because of that home ballpark, actually, but I do think that would create more win chances. But to answer your question, I think I would rather have Rodon just for the upside. I, I know what Shane Bieber is at this point. And what Shane Bieber is is not bad. It's just not going to be something that you can rely on to be more than SP3, SP4. And yeah. Carlos Rodon at his best can be right around that SP1 range. He he has that type of stuff and has the success. Shane Bieber has it too, but it was really just in 2020 that he pitched at that level. 2021 was fine. 2022, you start to see the deterioration. Can't see him reaching that level. Uh, speaking of the Cleveland Guardians, a lot of people forget that this guy pitched for the Cleveland Guardians, Lucas Giolito. And it's interesting here because – for most of the year, Lucas Giolito was a solid return on investment, a 3.79 ERA, not great, 131 strikeouts though in 121 innings against 42 walks, uh, 9.7 strikeouts per nine, uh, a whip of 1.223 isn't hurting you too bad. But after the trade to the Angels and then in six starts again with the Guardians, I saw it. I'm, I'm surprised as you as well. He had a 6.89 ERA with the Angels and a 7.04 ERA with Cleveland. He was a disaster, like, and beyond a disaster, unusable. And it's funny, too, looking at those stats, they're actually a little misleading. He had seven innings of shutout baseball against the Rangers with 12 strikeouts in one of his last starts. If you take away that start, He's beyond a disaster, like one of the worst pitchers in baseball after August. You look at the metrics, and there's some stuff to like here, like whiff percentage of 28.8, that's solid. K percentage of 25.7, that's pretty darn good. But he avoided barrels only 89% of the time. A barrel rate of 11% is awful. Lots and lots of fly balls, 36.1% ground ball rate. Most of his expected stats are in that 30 to 40 range. Like this at one point looked like, and Lucas Giolito, by the way, is only 29 years old. I was a little surprised that he's that young, which just means that we're old, Ryan, is what that means. If we're surprised that Lucas Giolito is not even 30 years old. This guy looked like he was on his way to becoming an ace, and he just, that never happened. I would still be a little interested because of the ability to miss bats as a reclamation type of prospect. Somebody that I would probably be using as a streamer to start the year, but I could see Lucas Giolito developing into a, maybe not set it and forget it, but somebody that you count on more often than not, just because he does have a track record and he was good with the White Sox. Not great, but he was good with the White Sox. He was somebody who was going in the top 100 to hot top 120, obviously you're not taking him in that range, even if he signs with a team that's going to give him a ton of win chances. I think he makes so much sense for a team like Baltimore or a team that is looking for cheap type of innings type of thing. You know, to, uh, all due respect to Baltimore, it's become abundantly clear that they're not going to sign that top of the rotation starter that we all hope that they would. But, you know, as long as he's not on a team like Kansas City, which I don't think you can completely rule out, I'll be interested in Lucas Giolito, but it'll be at the very end of drafts. Yeah, the the Royals bizarrely seem to be like in the mix for some of these fairly notable pitchers. I, I don't know what they – I guess they're going to try to win games in 2024. I don't know how that's, that's going to go. But what a concept. Yeah, with, with Giolito, like you mentioned, like his numbers with the White Sox were – we're good. Um, and even 
amidst his inconsistency, his quote unquote down years, like he has pockets where he still looks really, really good. Yeah. I, I think he maybe more than any other free agent um, that's still out there on the market, it could depend greatly on where he winds up. Like if he signs with the Dodgers, like I would be all in on yeah. them, them figuring out what to do with him. Yeah. Would be his hometown team, by the way. So I think he'd probably be happy about about going back there. Sure. Um, I think where I, I'm with you. I think where he's. I figure his draft, his ADP is likely to settle in. I think I I could definitely see myself being buying back in on him. Um, as you mentioned, still 29. He's been quite durable. Um, and he's even the times when he's struggled on the whole, he still is generally a good bat messer. Yeah. I can't imagine that he's going to have as much home run issues as he had this year. This 41. Past year. Yeah. 41 homers given up 20 yeah. uh, with the white Sox, and 121 innings, 10 in 32 innings with the angels, 11 and 30 and two thirds innings with the guardian. So look, 20 and 121, eh, it's not very good. Uh, the home run rate that he had with the Angels and the Guardians of 21 in just over 63 innings, probably not sustainable, right? Probably not something that's going to be as bad. And if it is, I'm sorry, Luke, it's probably time to find something else to do. <laughs> yeah, some some regression to the mean in a, in a yeah. good way for uh, Lucas Giolito like, likely coming there. Yeah. Another guy who had some home run issues this past season, Christian Javier, uh, ERA, uh, ERA up more than two runs, went from 2.54 in 2022 up to five, 4.56 in 2023. Strikeout rate down more than 10% from 33.2% down to 23.1%. Fastball velo down 1.1 miles per hour. Is expected Woba both on his slider and I'm just misreading my notes here. Expected <laughs> expected Woba on his slider went from 2.73 up to 3.43, whiff rate down more than 10%. There were some positives though. He made 31 starts. First time he's ever made 30, 30 plus starts in a major league season. Finished on a strong note, 40 to, 40 to 11 strikeout to walk rate in 30 and two thirds September innings. He did pitch well in two of his three postseason starts. You might remember that that last one, he lasted one out in game seven of the uh, ALCS. So that probably is going to stick out in your head, but he actually did pitch pretty well those first two postseason outings. So that's somewhat encouraging. NFBC ADP on Christian Javier is at 162. Um, I think that's more than fair. I, I He's always had kind of a, an interesting profile and in that, like he's never been like a super hard thrower. His fastball it, it just hitters just don't pick it up. He's really good at putting it up in the zone. Yep. Gets great spin on it. And the fastball is other pitches. He's really a two pitch pitcher. I mean, I think he 
he's really he's fastball slider. I mean, he he throws a I think a curveball and a changeup, but they combine for like ten percent of his of his usage. Really, a two pitch pitcher, which I think that's predominantly why the Astros couldn't decide there for a while whether they wanted him in the rotation or the bullpen. But he got that contract extension prior to last season. Maybe he was pressing a little bit, trying to prove his value there. Still young, still very talented, going to be on a great team. I, I think he's a pretty good buy low candidate go for 2024. So there is a little bit of Brett Saberhagen too with Christian Javier as well. Like expected ERA in 2020 was 3.06. Yes, I realized truncated season. 2021 it was 4.57. 2022 was 2.43. 2023 4.45. So there's been a little bit of following bad with good and following good with bad of course. So He's due for uh, the even-year BS that we typically talk about and haven't talked about in a while, actually. Um, I would definitely expect him to bounce back. I see a wide range of outcomes for sure, but I think there's just enough ceiling to suggest that he's somebody I want on my fantasy roster and a decent little floor, too, for a baseball team that I think doesn't look like on paper is as good as the uh, Astros – or excuse me, the Rangers are going to be. The Astros don't look as good as the Astros is apparently what I was trying to say there. I still think they're going to provide plenty of win chances for him. Um, I like that call quite a bit. I would expect a bounce back year. Uh, Robbie Ray, and I'm cheating a little bit. We went without the big injury guys. Robbie Ray made all of one start, but certainly was a disappointment for those of you who drafted him right around the 100 to 115 range as he just threw three and one third innings. And uh, then they, I think you remember this, Ryan. They they said it was just a couple of weeks for uh, Robbie Ray to be coming back. A couple of weeks turned into a couple of months. A couple of months turned into reconstructive I, surgery. I, th- I think Depoto said there was a fifty four percent chance that he was going to make it back. <laughs> yeah, forty six percent chance that he wasn't going to come back. He played it uh, a little less optimistic. He didn't use that number. Um, gosh, what an embarrassing franchise. Uh they, uh, the thing about Robbie Ray, though, that I want to point out is so, yes, with the Tommy John surgery, it's very likely that we're not going to see Robbie Ray come back until right around after the All Star break. And there's a chance that could be pushed back to August. Chance it could be a little bit earlier. We'll see how he recovers. But I do want to point out that, like, Robbie Ray in 2022 wasn't the same pitcher as he was in 2021. You can just throw 2021 out, he's never going to be that good again. But he was still pretty good. 189 innings, 212 strikeouts, 3.71 ERA, not elite, but certainly not going to cost you a league either. And Robbie Ray looked fantastic in spring training that year. There were a ton of reports about how the velocity was as good as it's ever been. Slider was looking sharp. I do wonder, and look, this is very much captain hindsight, if maybe he was overthrowing and probably overdoing it in a little bit in spring training. But it shows you, and also I think people assume that Robbie Ray's like 35 or 36 years old. He's still 32, and he'll be 32 for all of the 2024 season. No, you're not probably using a draft pick on him, but if you could pick up Robbie Ray and put him on your injured list, knowing that his ability to miss bats isn't going to completely go away, it's something that I'm at least a little bit intrigued by. My one caveat being Robbie Ray has never been even – the, the command has taken significant strides forward in these last couple of years. The changes that they made to the mechanics obviously working well. But a pitcher that has had major command issues missing as much time as he's going to, 
I do kind of wonder how much that's going to affect him when he comes back. Long story short, I'm at least a little bit intrigued by Robbie Ray for those final couple months of the season. Um, I love these kind of injury stash type of guys. If you get lucky and you don't have to uh, roll through and churn through your injured list type of stuff, it's not a bad little guy to have on your injured list to be ready for that second half of the year. Yeah, maybe he'll have he'll he'll do the um, just complete opposite of the norm. You always hear Tommy the command is the last thing to come back for pitchers when they come back from Tommy John. But if you never had command to begin with, maybe he'll <laughs> yeah. maybe he'll get command yeah, during his go. Tommy John rehab. You, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I don't think you can use um, a mixed league draft pick on him. He's just going to miss too much time. But like you mentioned, still relatively young um, and he's shown the massive, massive upside, even when, even in his down quote unquote down years, as far as like an ERA perspective, he still misses a ton of bats. Um, he's going to be pitching in a great home park. I, I, I don't know if I will have to talk you into this, but I think that he'll, he'll pitch, he'll have a pretty decent team behind him. <laughs> no, no. Uh, okay well he'll have a couple decent guys he's three, of them. three of them three of them will be there um it, no, it's possible it's possible I, I i'm just very disappointed <laughs> yeah i mean if you can scoop them up on the cheap in a in a dynasty league i'm, I'm definitely down for that because uh, as i mentioned the strikeout upside still massive even if the incons even if the consistency might not quite be there so uh, Walker Bueller can't count as a disappointment for the 2023 season because nobody drafted Walker Bueller in 2023. I'm not even sure if Walker Bueller's family drafted Walker Bueller in 2023. But, you know, is a guy who's going to be coming back. But it, I just it rem the Robbie Ray situation reminded me of it because Walker Bueller's not going to be back in the second half of the season. It looks like Walker Bueller is going to be a part of the Dodgers rotation pretty quickly. Are you excited about drafting Walker Buehler, or do you have to take a wait-and-see approach? Uh, kind of will have to depend on where the ADP settles in. I mean, he was talking about wanting to come back late in the 2023 season, which would have been a just a crazy fast insane recovery. I'm, I'm glad that he was finally talked out of, out of that uh, decision. But – what is the workload going to look like for him? I mean, the Dodgers, they've always kind of been careful with him, even when he was healthy, um, just as far as workload goes. Mm -hmm. Partly due because I think they're always pitching, always playing deep into the postseason most every year, and they just like bringing him along slowly in spring training and at the beginning of the year. Part of the reason why he often would go off to slow starts, I think. But – how deep is he going to pitch into games? Um, I'm not sure. The Dodgers, as the rotation sits right now, are going to need Walker Buehler to be very good. Um, yeah. But after they signed Yamamoto and and Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery, maybe that's less less of a less of a hurdle there. But yeah, I think it kind of just depends on where the ADP ultimately settles for him. Um, so TBD, I guess. Yeah. How's that, for a, how's that for a definitive 
answer. It's beautiful. it's beautiful. I will say this. If I am drafting before spring training and not seeing Walker Bueller throwing, I'd have a little bit of FOMO here. I would have a little bit of, man, I'd rather have this guy and, you know, have to drop him than be a guy who, um, it would, it would, it would be a risk to me it, because when Walker Bueller's at his best, he's a really, really good starting pitcher. It's also worth pointing out. He's made 30 starts once in the last four years. And that is yeah. obviously a big risk. And this is but, Tommy John number two, by the way. Yes. Yeah. That is the other thing too, is that that second time it's a risk. It's de- I mean, obvious point is obvious, but I, I do think Walker Bueller is going to be an interesting case to follow just because like, at this point, you've got to think he's one of the top three starting pitchers, at least for the Dodgers. Obviously, a lot of stuff can change. I'm guessing that this signing, by the way, means that Yamamoto is going to end up a Los Angeles Dodger. And I think that people are just going to absolutely lose their minds over it. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. But uh, maybe that's just because I predicted him to sign both before the season started. That's going to do it for us after a humble brag by yours truly. Thank you so much for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, make sure you check out the uh, Behind Our Paywall. Get a free trial with rotowire.com slash pod. Awesome deal. Tons of great stuff constantly going up. Ryan has great articles. I have okay articles. The one that uh, Ryan mentioned for Mr. Halterman is excellent on Mr. Otani. Definitely check that all out and please hit like, subscribe, all that good stuff. We'll see you next week. It's been a blast. $680 million. Insane. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.